This is Free Cookies from ESPNW. This is a podcast that brings together sports, lifestyle, and wellness. I'm Kate Fagan of ESPN. I'll be doing the sportsing. And I am Catherine Budig, and I am going to be doing the wellness scene. And we are also in a relationship together. It is true. We sleep in the same bed. Today on Free Cookies, we're talking to Tony Reale. He's the host of ESPN's Around the Horn, where I am a recurring badass panelist. Mm-hmm. And I especially like that show because unlike this podcast, you actually get to see the lovely Kate Fagan's face. That is very sweet of you. You're very beautiful. But later in the episode, I am going to dish out a wellness tip to keep that smile sparkly and TV ready. But first, we're going to get back to our outstanding list of questions to ask one another. All right, let's get into it. Let's do it. Catherine, we did it. We put our first episode into the world And then we got a bunch of love notes on Apple Podcasts, and I have to read one to you. It was a five-star review from Hooparella, and it says, I love podcasts, but not as much as I love Catherine Budig. But it gets better. It gets better. Thanks for introducing me to Kate Fagan. And then one of, like, the little smiley faces with the hands. (laughs) It goes on and on, but that was really the pinnacle of it. It, yeah, and then another amazing one came from, it looks like, Widow PDX. We've got some little Portland action here. It says, more, please. Great teaser and pilot. The world needs more of this podcast and also more lists from Kate, which I think is hilarious because Kate's lists is just her weird, obsessive way of organizing the world. And we talked about our, how do you want to frame it? The cookies that are acceptable standard to choose Standard cookie from? list is what we're calling them. There it's the standard cookie list, Okay. <laughs> We're going to actually categorize my categorization of things in a very sophisticated manner. And there was a lot of feedback, uh, most of it poor, about which cookies should be added to the cookie list. Uh, There's some riffraff out there like Girl Scout Thin Mints, okay? When did you walk into your house after school and whoever happened to bake cookies, whether it was your mom or your dad or whomever, said, hey, can you make me the Thin Mints? No, Kate, no, that's never happened. You lived a very privileged cookie childhood. How? Okay, the fact that oh, your mom is like whipping you up, or your dad did is I whipping you up. Did I say my mom? Did you hear me say or your dad? That's true. Wait for it. Wait for it. So your mom or your dad or your sister is cooking these cookies for you, and I lived in a household where my mom or my dad didn't bake. So, so this is a moral high ground issue. Here's I just what it think is. that you are. You need to admit your cookie privilege. I have. I have accepted one new cookie to the standard cookie list. I've accepted Drum ginger roll. snaps. That's it. There's two cookies on the waiting list. Oatmeal chocolate chip is on the waiting list, as well as chocolate chocolate chip. I think those are valid additions. It's just they need to go through the standard process to make it onto the standard cookie list. But we can at least announce right now that ginger snaps are the addition for this week. I Okay. I'm not even really sure how to react to any of that, but I would like to contribute something here because my favorite cookie growing up, and I don't know how this one completely slipped my mind while we were talking about it last week, is the French macaron. Like, not not to be confused with the the, the coconut cookie, you know, but the, the, the French beautiful, the little rainbow, adorable assortment of schmushy little cloud-like cookies. The French macaron. Are you pronouncing it correctly, do you think? I am crap with the French accent, so I can almost absolutely guarantee you that every French listener is crying silently in the corner right now. 
My mom as well. My mom is fluent in French. And when she goes to the bakery, she orders croissants. Now, I'll tell you two things. One, a croissant is not a cookie and neither is a macaroon. I'm wearing a red bandana and I have on a black and white striped shirt. So I feel like I'm selling it. It's true. You're playing the part, but the macaroons are not being added to the standard cookie list because you actually negated the coconut macaroon, which you could cook in your own kitchen in favor of the multicolored, wildly expensive French macaroon. Baby, those are made in kitchens too. Baby. All right. You know, (laughs) let's put it aside. I mean, there's only so many cookies we can add to the standard cookie list each week, or otherwise it will no longer be a list. It will just be every cookie ever named. But I think it's time to go back to the outstanding list of questions that we have for one another. But I think what we should do this week is we ask each other the questions that the other person asked last week. That sounds like good. All right. Game on. So... Kate, what is your favorite non-physical quality that you possess? Okay. Non-physical quality is, and this one, I actually, I don't even need a preamble. I think I'm very good at making conversation with people at parties and in public places and in any sort of setting. I make it my personal mission to ask good questions and be inquisitive and curious about other human beings. And... I actually feel that this quality is in short supply often. And I don't know how many times I'll go to a party and then it's almost as if like asking someone else questions about themselves is a foreign concept to other people. And I find that confusing because I find other people interesting and I try to engage with them and find out as much as I can about them. Well, I'm really glad that you say that because probably one of the first moments where I kind of maybe fell in you love with was you. Cute? Well, okay. I said fell in love, cute, whatever, same, same. But I I was watching you moderate a panel, and I've been on a ton of panels. I've listened to a ton of panels. And I was so wildly impressed with your ability to be present with the person who was speaking. And you didn't just have a list of questions that you wanted to go off of. I saw you taking notes while everyone was talking, and then you kept – you know, narrating off of what they were actually saying to you to withhold this conversation. And it was was beautiful. And I – go to a lot of dinners with you too and you can absolutely talk to anyone and I love that about you. Is that why you got my digits after that panel? Text me. (laughs) So was I your first crush would you say? Um, I have had many a crush Okay so yeah that's the question that I want to ask you. Tell me about your first (sighs) crush. Okay The, the, the first truly memorable crush that I have and this is kind of embarrassing but my first crush was this actor named Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Did you actually just say this actor as if like people wouldn't know who that was? I, there might be people of this generation now who don't know who JTT is or was. And home Improvement. He was the heartthrob on Home Improvement. And uh, I was so obsessed with him. I used to buy those like Tiger Beat magazines. I can't believe I'm saying this out loud. Yep. And I would wallpaper. Like I ran out of space in my bedroom where I had to start putting pictures of him on the ceiling. And um, little known fact, my my, pres- uh, my father was the president of the American League for Major League Baseball. Okay. And so he has this ridiculous collection of autographed baseballs. And so, and I'm so sorry, Dad, I don't think he knows this. But so I slipped into his collection and I snagged the Ken Griffey Jr. ball. Okay, so you slipped into your dad's, where was this baseball collection, by the way? This was in his office. Okay, so you slipped into his office and you 
stole is what it was. I stole. A Ken Griffey Jr. signed baseball. I'm curious to see how this relates to Jonathan Taylor Thomas. Because I looked up his management company where he accepts fan mail. So I wrote him this like love note and I was like, if he gets an autographed Ken Griffey Jr. ball, there's no <laughs> way he's not going to get back to me. So I... I ship it. I was like, I mean, it's not like I'm giving him Joe DiMaggio or Ted Williams or something like that. You know, it's Ken Griffey Jr. And I think who was probably the coolest player at the time. In my opinion, I think he was on, you know, the Wheaties box at the time. And so I was convinced that like, oh, it's gold. This is like better than an engagement ring. I'm going to give him an autographed Ken Griffey Jr. ball. And I never heard from him. And Jonathan Taylor Thomas, I have looked you up in the meantime, and you still look real good. Okay, so a couple questions here. You're probably about 10. I'm giving you the benefit of the doubt. Thank you. So how did you mail this ball? Just by yourself? Were you pedaling on your bike down to the mailbox? <laughs> That's a very valid question. Who I'd... was your co-conspirator in this attempt to woo Jonathan Taylor, Taylor Thomas with a Ken Griffey Jr. Well, I would just like ball? to say the fact that I even came up with the idea to send a Ken Griffey Jr. ball means that I was ahead of my time. So you going were, to the post office, it wasn't that big of a deal. Thinking outside of the box. <laughs> yes, exactly. Little known embarrassing fact. When you say little known, do you mean nobody knows this? Maybe. The first time that I ever went vegetarian was because I knew that Jonathan Taylor Thomas was a vegetarian. So I decided to go vegetarian and I may have masked it under the guise of I'm just trying to be healthy and I really love animals to my parents who absolutely hated me because they would just give me rice for dinner. And... I thought that he would think it was impressive. This is You did it for love. I am blushing really hard right now. Okay, wait a second. So <laughs> let me connect the dots here. Is it possible that Jonathan Taylor Thomas was the bridge that led you into the wellness world? Because mm. the way I see it, he introduced you to vegetarianism. True. Which probably then at some point he made introduced me undo you to a yoga mat. And then you start doing yoga and you become even a bigger deal in the health world, and you get sent to the ESPNW Summit where you watch me moderate a panel. Because you're so good at talking to anyone. And then you develop a crush on me, and you get my digits, and now we're together, and we're making this podcast, which led to our next guest. All right, y'all, stick around. Free cookies will be right back after this cookie break. I just saved hundreds of dollars by switching to Geico. I feel like a whole new person. Disclaimer, you will not become a whole new person. This is impossible. You might be able to join a gym or diet program, buy a new wardrobe, get hair implants, but your DNA and physical form will remain the same. Geico waives any and all liability if you attempt to become a new person, except a cyborg. If you choose to become a half-human, half-cybernetic organism with lasers for eyes, the Geico legal team would be cool with that because, quote, laser eyes are pretty sweet. Pew, 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 end quote. Geico, 15 minutes could save you 15% or more. All right, next up, we are talking to Tony Reale, host of ESPN's TV show, Around the Horn. And Around the Horn is a show on ESPN that is a sports roundtable, yep. competitive, talking. You're a huge fan of it. Heads. Yeah, I never watched the show before I met Kate. But, but she's really good on but it. But now? I watch it every time Kate is All right. on it. Yeah. Around the Horn is a roundtable discussion with a competitive game show twist. Normally, Kate's a panelist, but today, you're the host. And let me tell you. It feels really good. So let's bring in Tony. Tides have changed. Turned. Whatever. It's Around the Horn, the show of competitive better. Here's Tony Reale. So we're joined by Tony Reale, who is the host of 
Around the Horn on ESPN, which has been on the air for 3,190 shows. (laughs) It's true. Lives in Tribeca. Has a wife and a beautiful daughter named Francesca. Yes. I remember that easily because that's also my niece's name. Wait a second, though. Did you throw that name out there to to the family and be like, this is a great name. It's going places. Wow. If I did, it it was subconscious. Mm -hmm. That's I don't how, remember. That's it. how the realities get it in there. So literally, yeah. Catherine, this is how you need to know about me. You're gonna, we're gonna talk about a lot of stuff today, and then it's gonna come back two days from now, three days from now, and it's gonna be lingering on you. Yes. All right, Tony. So of those three thousand one hundred ninety shows, yeah. how many of those roundabout, if you don't have an exact, have you done? And do you like? Can you walk me through your first? First season, of the show I was not on. I was doing party interruption as the stat boy. So I think I probably took over about 200 episodes in from Max Kellerman, maybe a little bit less than that, 180. I had filled in as a panelist seven times in that span, and I had also hosted maybe four or five times when Max was sick. One of those shows I know for a fact I wore Max's clothes on TV because <laughs> I think he came to the office that day and then left because he wasn't feeling well and I'm wearing his suit. And he had you know, a zoot suit type style, which I don't oh, pull yeah. off. I want something that is, you know, close, snug, the Italian piece. fit. Yeah. yeah. And he, so I think I, I dressed like, uh, like uh, an NBA draftee for the first <laughs> three episodes I was on. But um, I took over in year two of the show. And this is more or less a story of my life. It's almost kind of with rolling with life. That's kind of what I did. I got a phone call on a Sunday night. It was halftime had just finished up of the Super Bowl between the Patriots and Panthers, which is notable because halftime of the Patriots-Panthers Super Bowl was Janet Jackson and Justin Timberlake. Yes. Oh, we all remember and that. And a wardrobe malfunction. Whoops. Mm-hmm. So I'm watching a game as an incredible sports fan, insane sports fan. I'm 24 at the time, maybe 25 at the time. I had been doing TV with PTI for a year and a half, but I was still kind of young and new on the business. And I got the phone call with the idea that Max was not coming into work tomorrow. It's a Super Bowl, may have been in Houston or New Orleans or Miami. Either way, nobody was within 500 miles of of D.C. Either way, (laughs) Bristol or the Super Bowl, we need somebody to fill in. You've done it before. Can you wear your suit to work tomorrow? Not Max's. So um, long story short, as I filled in that first day, Kate, and, and you would have been in high school at this time, maybe maybe just maybe. At, at CU at this time, I got the phone call. I said yes. And, and I did a TV show the next day as a host, and I was sweating through my, my only suit. <laughs> very nice Italian suit. <laughs> yes, my only one, though. And I remember at one point I went to commercial break, and I took off the suit, and everybody was like, no, 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 you got sweat stains all over you. <laughs> so I had to put on the jacket again. And um, that, was my, that, was, that was not the first time I was on TV. I was on TV doing PTI, so I wasn't you know, totally green, but hosting a TV show is completely different. And that's how I got the job. I mean, I, I didn't get the job. I, I, I filled in one day. I filled in another day. By Wednesday, I was out of clothes. I was, I, I was wearing, <laughs> I mean, I, I changed ties once, but I was out of clothes. And I remember getting good advice from one of my producers who had said, just put your head down and, and kind of finish out the week and see what happens. And, you know, I was hungry. I wanted to do what that was my entire life, even though I didn't know what that was. This is something I talk about a lot, you know. The jobs I have now or the jobs you have now, um, Kate, in our industry or Catherine that you have, are not the jobs maybe that even existed when you were in high school or college, right? I mean, it's like, oh, I, I wanted to be a sportscaster. I wanted to call the Yankees and the, and the Knicks and, and, the, and the Giants. And that's what guys at Fordham had done. That's why I went to Fordham. I wanted to be a play-by-play guy. But along the way, you know, yeah. you know life threw some curves. And then I jumped right back on and, and 
opened up a door by saying yes the night that Janet Jackson's, you know, wardrobe malfunction happened. I have a confession to make. I didn't watch Around the Horn before what? I met Kate. <laughs> I had no idea what it was. I didn't know it had been around forever. But my, my memory of you in the beginning of watching the show was how wildly charismatic you are. Mm. And now that I know the amount of years and the five days per week that you're hosting the show, how do you do it? How do you keep that level of charisma? Because right now, I'm tired. Kate and I are cleansing and we're kind of at we that, have to you talk know, about that, day cause, three. Cause now, now that I'm flexing this flat white right in front of your face, oh, I feel kind of bad about that. Coffee. But seriously, I mean, I just, I've never seen you have I didn't pick day. up coffee till Francesca, honestly. Or maybe maybe we went to Europe a little bit before that. And when you're in Europe, the good you stuff. You're the good stuff. I mean, if you're in Italy, have, oh, that, have the espresso, the have the stu- cappuccino. That'll have, put some hair on your chest. Yeah, well, <laughs> I mean, for me, I had no idea what I was getting into. But then I was like, because I had, you know... Off the charts energy my whole life. Okay, I kind of. You're one so of I those think what naturally... you're calling what you're calling charisma, I would just say was you know a <laughs> charge off going energy. through me. Energy. I don't know if I it absolutely qualifies as charisma, uh, but uh, it, for me it was energy. Um, so I think I landed in the spot I was always supposed to be in. I yeah. was doing play by play in college and enjoying the rush of. I mean, when you're doing basketball play by play, Kate, you played in those games. I was on the floor. With a headset on, I felt like I played in those games. Maybe I was a little bit too animated when I was calling a game. But when you call a game, you're in it just as much. Feels like you ran those seven miles during the game back up and down the court. So I love that rush. But I applied that rush to just about every part of my life. And I'm I'm across the board every part of my life. I, I do want to talk about your cleanse you're on now. because, And this is something that has you know developed in me through the years and something now I'm really you know, attuned to. But, you know, I changed my eating habits three, four, five times when I became an adult, you know, from the kid when you're eating six slices of pizza at a time to something like that. But I was really focusing on, okay, I'm going to attack my diet like I attack around the horn, like I attack the energy that I would and if I was playing, you know, a summer league basketball game. And I, to the extent where I cleansed, now you're supposed to cleanse for two weeks? Yeah, we're doing 10 days. Yep. 10 days, okay. Yep. I cleansed for the greater part of six months. Ooh la la. Maybe even nine months. So what were you, what were you doing I, I probably those? embraced what would be veganism, although I know I did, you know, I, w- I would eat honey and I would also have bee pollen in the morning and I know I had a thick, strict vegan would that, that's still pretty look strict. at me the yeah. wrong way, right? Yeah. So I had done that primarily for dietary reasons. My belly hurt all the time. Okay. I had terrible, terrible uh, stories of food poisoning, oh. all right? Sometimes poetic, mussels and Brussels. I mean, that, that's, that's going to be my child's story. Don't sushi eat the mussels the and Brussels. Sushi at the airport. Sushi at the Pittsburgh airport. <laughs> which I maintain. Okay, can we all in this room acknowledge if you're eating sushi, where are you getting that fish from? You're getting it from a plane that delivered the fish from somewhere else. Even if you think you're at the nicest sushi restaurant, they didn't just, it's, they're not getting it from Arthur Kill in Staten Island. They're getting it from, hopefully, uh, Pacific Ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. It's always coming in from a plane. Yeah. So I, I, I did have sushi right, right. <laughs> at the Pittsburgh airport. A landlocked Pittsburgh. I love that these are the events that made you think I need to cleanse when it's like, maybe I stay away from airport sushi. You know, me and Sammy traveled so much because she does international work that we were always eating, you know, the guinea fowl in Ghana. And I would be tripped up so many different ways. So I I needed to pare everything down. I wanted to examine what my diet was. This is a very long story. I'm sorry. Now the host is taking over. And (laughs) I said, I got to cleanse. I got to realize why my tummy hurts all the time. What am I going to do here? So I went on, you know, a, a journey to find out 
how to cleanse and how to maybe embrace veganism for six months, nine months. We got pregnant throughout that, and then that's tough to really ask the family I was going to say, was she on a vegan diet? She wasn't. No, 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 no. She can, and she has a. And were you uppity? Were you like, look at me? I I mean, I was probably. No, no, I don't know if I was uppity, but I was probably ill-tempered from time to time. (laughs) I wasn't consuming enough calories for what I was doing fitness-wise, which now we're going to see a theme in my life. You know, it's it's gripping too hard, right? It's it's it's. I approached my diet like that. I approached my f- level of fitness like that. I approached around the horn like that. I, I approached being a dad like that, you know, gripping really, really hard, too hard now in hindsight. I'm assuming, well, I, I, so, uh, for some part of it, I know because I see you on around the horn yeah. and the gripping too hard and the caring so much. I, I know with certain qualities that I have, like a lack of patience, the more I try and tell myself to be patient, it just doesn't work. Usually it just amps up whatever anxiety you have inside mm. of me that I'm like, I'm late or something's not being done fast enough. Like right. it doesn't, I don't know how to reel it in. Yeah. So when it comes to gripping too hard, I can see how when you rein it, it's just like an asset that you're harnessed to that's fabulous for you. But then in other times, it is something that I'm assuming you're like, whoo, I need to just chill. And how, and how do you go about trying to do that? Mm. And even more so for me, need to chill. And then it, sometimes that spirals, you know, that spirals out for me. I was somebody who had the ability to, to have things spiral out. I mean, I, I'd say this, and, and I'm not sure, Kate, if you got this sense from me at all times, and maybe what was, I think, still mischaracterized as charisma, but, but just overall energy was able to hide this. But there is a duck inside me. That is just chilling above the water. I got excited about that. <laughs> you like Continue. ducks? I'm like, oh, yeah. Ducks, yeah. Well, everything for me is now animals because of Francesca. You know, oh, you're no. always living in the animal space. And we, we dedicate ourselves to like those weird animals that nobody's talking Like we Platypus. got a llama from Peru because my <laughs> sister just did Machu Picchu. A lot of camels in the house. You know, there's nice. a lot of the, the funky animals that we think need more, you know, rep, you know. So there, there's that duck who's floating atop of the water looking cool, you know, quacking about. And then there's the... The, the the under the water, which is just paddle, 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 paddle feverishly, you know? There was that for me, I think, always. I mean, I, I, I maybe was, I wasn't even trying to disguise it, you know? I think it's easy for that to not be seen by my close friends or even, you know, the people I work with every day because the energy pushes along there. That, they call that at the University of Pennsylvania, they call it pen face, they have okay. a name for okay. it. Okay, I had no idea. So at the University of Pennsylvania, they have this theory about a lot of the students who go there projecting an air of invincibility. Like, oh, yeah, I got my major down. Everything's fine. When under the surface, there's just turmoil. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you would equate it as turmoil. I didn't touch turmoil till yeah. the last year of my life in, in some ways. But, you know, I, I, I think, hey, I mean. If you knew me when I was, and the people who didn't know me, of course, my family and my, my older friends, when I was 10 or 15 or 20, I don't think you're surprised I'm doing what I'm doing for a living or even performing like I'm performing for a living, you know, the outsized personality. But you would also would have said, that dude is a pleaser, you know? He's trying to make everybody happy. But then there was something else that, that bubbled up in me. I'm, I'm also contrarian, I think. When maybe even, you know... I mean, people ascribe this to people from this area, New York. I grew up in New York and New Jersey. There's a cynicism to that, right? The New York cynic or something like that. And this has value for me in our industry, yeah. you know? But also it came from the education I got, I think, in high school and college. Um, I went to a Catholic school in high school taught by Christian brothers, and I went to a Catholic school in college taught by Jesuits. 
I feel like I, I want to question everything. And it's it's part of my personality now that's probably the biggest part of my personality is to to question myself, my beliefs, how I feel about where I am or where this country is or where my, you know, where the show is right now. You know, where, what are we doing this day? What, what is our goal in asking these questions? Question, question, question. And when you combine that with somebody who's a pleaser and now that's a, that's a, that's a seesaw right there. And, and, and I alluded to it, but that's why my last year has been pretty difficult for me as I've come to grasp with, I am, I am, you know, vacillating between two opposite things and also dealing with, you know, a change in life, which is being a father. Yeah. What have you been questioning recently? Well, my, my last year, I, I've kind of allowed, you know, I'm somebody who feels a lot. Um, both, you know, in my youth and, and as I gotten older. But I am also somebody who had to reckon with the fact that I had a new life that was completely... And utterly, you know, uncontrollable, but I'm supposed to be the one in control. I wanted to be a dad since I was five years old, just as long as I wanted to be a sportscaster. I wanted to be a dad of five kids. I had five. I'm one of five so in my Italian. family. <laughs> <laughs> but you say that, right? And this is, this is a story I've told myself my whole life. This is a story I told my wife when I had met her for one week. And was she terrified? Or did uh, she I think she was kind of terrified because we, we, <laughs> it didn't play out like that for us as quickly, both for, for uh, a lot of reasons, you know, career reasons, biological reasons. I mean, uh, we have one. And, and for me, when I had my one, that was both a miracle for me. And, and I'm 38 years old now. And you're doing quick math in your head. And you're like, when am I going to get the other four? How am I going to get these numbers up? This is... Um, part of my my tightly wound personality. Like, how am I going to get these numbers up? That's a very odd thing to say, and even your own head. And and I'm I'm coming to consider what that is. And my wife travels a lot for work. Well, I'm the type of guy. Let's go. Bring you know. I'll take on any challenge like that. I want some great quality time with my baby daughter. You know, if we're at a kids party, all the adults are hanging out. I'm on the floor with the kids. I mean, I love kids. I I used to be one. So I I think at this point. I had a, and I've never really talked about this before, and maybe, maybe, you know, maybe Kate knows a little bit about this, but I, I had a moment of near, you know, breakdown when my wife was away. She's 5,000 miles away. And I, mean, I remember the day me and Francesca went out, we played at the park, Brooklyn Bridge Park, and I got home and I started feeling like my chest was tightening and I started feeling physical ailments that I hadn't really felt before. And I started feeling, you know, like I was going to be, you know, short of breath. And as the day progressed, you know, I I had started getting, you know, scared about whether I could be there for my daughter if I was going to, you know, not drop if, in, in the next five, ten minutes because of how I was feeling. And then, you know, even some scarier stuff started happening, you know very intrusive thoughts and scary thoughts. I had a I had a longest night of my life. I called a hotline that morning. This is a Monday morning before work, Kate. And what <laughs> I say that because now the the host of me wants to make a joke about this, but the hotline couldn't take my call. And they called me back 2 hours later. What type of hotline that's, put somebody on hold for, that's, for, that's a cold for 2 line. hours? That that's, is a, that is a cold line. And this was what I've come to realize, I mean, I was blissfully happy 
being a dad, being with Francesca, even being a dad working the show every day, but getting home in time for, you know, when my wife was out of the country. But I don't know if you want to be blissfully anything, you know? Maybe, maybe, maybe now if you asked me, you know, I mean, I'd say that that needs a little boundary, needs a little control over that. That's, once again, gripping life too hard. I've had, I remember like a, a morning maybe like a year and a half ago where I had so much anxiety and the thoughts that like wouldn't that spiral stop, out. That spiral yeah. out of control. And then it's the more you're in that world for an hour or two hours, you start to think, am I ever going to get out of this world? Yeah. And if I don't get out of this world, which is inside your own head, like how long am I going to be able to last with these types of thoughts? For you, is it... Could you feel the thoughts coming? I could and feel circulating? the thoughts coming. I Google everything, you know, in the moment when she was in a nap, and you realize, you know, a panic attack only lasts fifteen minutes. I'm in hour six here. Yeah, I'm overnight now. I'm in twelve hours here. What is this? What is this? And it and it lands in a spot, and that's when you call the hotline, and you're like, "What's happening here?" And I mean, for me, it hit me at a place that was my most vulnerable. I think being a dad in that moment, right? This is something I dreamed about my whole life. This is something, if anybody had seen me in the last year with Francesca, they would have spent, that's a guy who's loving where he is in life right now. And it was true, I was. And that's what I've come to find out when, when you don't deal with things in your life, whether it's you know trying to please everybody or, or be perfect at everything. Uh, when you don't deal with those things and you bottle them up, or family situations or whatever, it has, a, it has a way to kind of morph into something else. And for me, and, and morph into something that knows it's going to get your attention. You have been paying attention to me. A little shadow inside your body. Here's how I'm going to get your attention. I'm going to get you exactly where, where, where I know I can get your attention with your daughter, with Francesca right now. And I'm so glad you shared that because I think a lot of parents who are listening to this are going to be nodding their heads as you're speaking. I don't know if I want to call it bravery, but just being able to confess that out loud, like, oh, maybe it isn't all sunshine and bunnies. Like there are these intense moments of reality where, yes, we have this beautiful daughter, but these are all the stressors that come I wrote, along with I it. wrote a lot of stuff after Francesca was born. I, I I made a joke about uh, children's books. I mean, I, that might be a place where I land in the future. You know? I, would love I was that. writing some some fun stuff, and I was writing some not so fun stuff. But I was just trying to, you know, put my thoughts down after I had a baby. And I remember writing, and I didn't come up with this expression. I'd heard one person use it before, but I was applying it differently. I maybe uh, my heart beats out of its chest, and my heart beats out of its body. You know, my heart is outside of my body now that I have, you know, a, a young life, and. Just on just just thinking about that, that means it's completely naked and vulnerable, and that's where I was. Now, I, I maybe I'm on the outside. I'd like I'd like to think you know I'm on the outside of this now. It's been over a year, and I I put in a lot of work. I think um, processing what that was and and where I've landed maybe is that it wasn't about being a dad or Francesca at all. Really, maybe, maybe it was a little bit, but it was about just you know coming to grips with you know. Some things in life that have just come over the last 15 or 20 years, but I'm, I'm getting back to gripping too hard, you know? And it was, it's manifest itself in, in two parts of my life. And I had stomach aches every other day, like I was telling you. You know, I changed my diet. I went vegan. I was taking in, you know, juice cleanses on a 
regular basis. You know how much you know how much spinach goes into one of those juices <laughs> to get you those four inches of spinach. I mean, it's it's like you bring your arms as wide as you can carry them, and that's how much spinach I was putting that in my body every day. I had the same salad every day from Sweet Green for a year and a half, and I make it my own. It would be it would be kale, spinach, and quinoa, and tofu, and beets, and uh, and and if you looked at the things that cause calcium oxalate kidney stones, that's the top five. <laughs> oh, no. And that's what I got. So I physically made my ill from gripping so hard on my diet. Did CrossFit five days a week for two years. The, 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 the way I dealt with the stresses of my life for so long, go running a mile as hard as I could, go doing you know pull-ups and, and, and doing a workout. Well, now my neck is stuck in this position, my hip is stuck in this position, and I was at a place where I stopped working out for a year, which was an incredible thing that I could even process that in the last year. And I've started doing Pilates for the last year, and I've kind of enjoyed healing my body in that sort of way. So I've tried to heal my body both in diet and uh, <laughs> in the physicality that I do. And then, it, and then it manifested itself a third way, kind of emotionally Yeah, well, that, then that was the biggest way. And, and the other stuff was very, very real and very, very big in my life. But it was still, it wasn't a red herring, but it was something that was... That was still a mask for what was the biggest thing, which was, well, let's examine what this is about. And, and, and those are when you start asking questions and questioning yourself um, and how you do things. Well, OK, let's let's do this. We've all got ideas of who we are as a person. You know, you said it's a very Italian thing to want the big family to all that. You know, there's that commercial where the guy does the ancestry dot com and he thinks he's uh, maybe Norwegian, and then it comes back, he's Swedish, you know? <laughs> Imagine, that. can you, if somebody told you, oh, we just did your DNA reality and you're not Italian, I'd go to pieces. I'd be like, <laughs> are you kidding me? This is everything I am. Watch me make this pasta. Hell me. I mean, and so, so, well, do that to yourself with your own mental checkups. What if I'm not the happiest person in the world? What if I'm not the realest person in the world? I used to, you know, make these jokes about my last name being reality. You can't spell that without real. You know, when I was, you know, writing people notes, uh, stupid things like that. Well, <laughs> my goal always with the television show is to be as real as I can possibly be and have the show be as real as I can possibly be. I want Kate to forget she's on TV. And with someone like Kate, that's probably my most difficult challenge. With someone like... Um, Woody Page, it's not as difficult. He'll forget where he is in the room if, if, you, <laughs> if you just let him talk for two seconds. But I want an authentic moment. I want that one-to-one -one ratio, okay? This is what I've told myself for my first 10, 15 years hosting TV. Give me that one-to-one -one ratio. And reality, you better bring that one-to-one -one ratio. The viewer demands that. This is the type of show I want to do, you know, becoming comfortable as host. I changed the show when the show, when I started hosting. It became less about certain things and more about things that I wanted to kind of flesh out in a normal conversation. By that I mean I want to make the show, you know, a competition, but I wanted to make the show real and make them forget they're on TV. That's, that's what my goal was. And in my last year, putting things together, questioning, you know, is that who I am or am I putting on a cartoon to try to, try to make myself as attractive a host as I possibly could be, make myself the person that you thought I was when, when you first met me, Catherine. And... I came to a conclusion that our job as performers, Kate, or even Catherine, I mean, you have to perform on a certain level mm -hmm. when you're doing something visual, right? But when you perform and you're, you're thinking about being the subject or the object of somebody else's view of it is what I'm trying to say. Not 
the subject of, of the whole piece. You're somebody else's object. You're giving power to somebody else and how they view it. Your whole mindset is based on what other people think of you. Yep. And that, when I, when I kind of recognized that, which is really only in the last year, um, made me wonder why I was giving up that power a little bit. And this is why I feel... Now, I'm, I'm going to become a host now for a second, Kate. I'm going to turn to you because this is why I feel kind of linked to you in a lot of ways. You know, the piece you wrote on the split image and everything. This has now been a refrain in the back of my head for the last two years since you wrote it. And no smoke. I, I thought this should have won a Pulitzer. If it's even, you know, allowed to win a Pulitzer for the, 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 the venue you wrote it for. Because um, I think this is probably the most... You know, one of, one of the more important discussions we're having now in life is what we project to other people, how accurate it is, how much it fits the image that we have of ourselves, why we're doing it, why we're, why we're not doing it at other times. Um, and it's something that I would have said I'm never doing, you know. I'm the authentic person. I'm the real person. But coming to grips with how I do it when I do it or whether, you know, it's a bad thing in general. What do you think you landed on about who you are on Around the Horn versus who you are in real life? And did you make any changes over the last year to try and tie those two together a little more, those yeah. two people? Yeah. Not that they're separate, yeah. but... Well, the other spot that I keep on saying landing, landing spots, is just how I think of it in my head, you know? What, what I wanted to do is really focus on getting it away from me and almost empowering other people. So you, you asked, how is this, how'd you implement this on the show, or were you thinking about how it was implemented on the show? I mean, one of the things that I think is the strength of Around the Horn, I know it is, is the, um, the diversity of the panel, the versatility of the panel. Um, and you'll see, if, if you think about it, Around the Horn has added a person every year to two people every three years, something like that. Kate's one of these people that we had. Do you remember how this came about, Kate? Yep. What, what's your view of how we first came in contact um, with each other? My first book, The Reappearing Act, which was about coming out on my college team, and you stopped by my book release mm -hmm. in Washington, D.C., and, and we'd never met before. At HRC, yeah. This was right across the street yeah. from where we filmed. And. We talked for a couple minutes, and you're like, what would you think about ever doing Around the Horn? And I remember saying, I don't think I'd be good at it. Mm -hmm, exactly. I was like, <laughs> I just think I, I like better kind of being behind the scenes and, like, writing. And I'm not sure that would be the best use of my skills and my talent. That's what I remember saying. And, and then about, must have been about six months after that, Aaron Solomon, the producer of Around the Horn, was like, would you want to, like, try it out? And of course, I, of course, there's like, I, of course, I said yes. I'm, I still don't know if it, if I am as good at around the horn as a lot, most of the other panelists. Not that that matters. I don't think it's a, it's not a competition. It's a competition on the show, but it's not necessarily a mm -hmm. competition and like who's the best overall. But I, I still sometimes struggle with the performative nature of it and the separation that I think exists between who I am and who I am on the show that I try and bridge every day that I'm on the show. And I can feel when I've done it because um, a level of anxiety leaves when I know I'm truly listening to the person before me and, tr and engaging mm -hmm. in the show as opposed to 
having performed my six sentences in <laughs> my head. It's amazing when you say it like that. that that's all it is, yeah. And um, so I think it's still a battle for me about trying to bridge that gap on the show. But, I mean, anyway, that's the origin well, story. Well, let me color by number a little bit more for Catherine. <laughs> I, was, I was scouting Kate for months before that. And I've done this with numerous panelists on our show. Uh, Somebody, for whatever reason, catches my attention. I do a lot of scouting on Twitter with how they do that, but not so much anymore because I am aware of what that is right now, Twitter, (laughs) and uh, trying to... Trying to keep that in a certain place in my life. but uh, And you had not done a lot of TV. The only TV I had seen... This is a TV show, by the way. I mean, I, being That's on TV I'm is curious. important. I was wondering if you had uh, seen I think it, maybe it was a couple of Skype interviews and things of that nature. You know, it was always yeah. something maybe you've done through your own computer and you had that headset on, <laughs> which we don't do on the show. But <laughs> um, talking about the changes I wanted to, to kind of... What we wanted to do with the show, and this is a we, I mean, this is everybody, uh, but but me personally, I wanted to put the ball in other people's hands. I wanted to be a point guard at best, and I wanted to see where other ple- people who see the world differently or from a different part of the world or just, you know, going to bring to the table as many people as possible. So now, in Kate, I saw, of course, everything that Kate is. And it's not just about representation, but it's also just about, you know, how you deliver the message. You're the only person I really know who could have written Split Image. I mean, that's, that's an incredible thing to say, I guess. But, and, and, and Pablo's the only one who can write maybe what he wrote on LeBron James that exactly. just came out. And, and now we have uh, someone like Ramona who's breaking stories every other week. And we have Kevin Blackstone and Jay Adande who are professors. I wanted the ability for Around the Horn to not just be the show that did, did this team win it or did this team blow it? after a game, which is a fine enough question, and I love that sports conversation. But I want us to be able to talk about any topic that we, maybe in the first eight years of the show, and I'd say for my own admission, I didn't think I was the host to pull that off eight eight years into the show, a 26, 28-year-old who was still feeling his way around television. But I want to do the topics now that are, that are sometimes have that live wire, that have real value. And, and this, applying it to my own life, is... You search for happiness, and happiness is really a goal for, for everybody, right? That could be isolated. I'm, I'm trying to search for meaning now. I'm trying to find a place where, well, what was the meaning of this? And what I've, what I've somehow landed on for now, and this might not be the only uh, answer for me in the future, but it's, it's empowering others to, to be themselves, be them best selves, and have other people see them be their best selves. How do you feel now about just who you are in this moment and what kind of drive you have and whether it's okay to shift that drive to your daughter and your family as opposed to your career? And I guess where have you landed on this concept of like what your drive should be? Yeah, this is a good question. Uh, I mean, it comes down to passion for me. What am I I passionate about in that moment, allowing for your, your... your own curiosities to move you along. For me, I got to stay true to what my passions are, but I also want to stay true to that person who always questions questions everything. I, this is fresh in my mind because I was yesterday and, and today just looking at my Twitter feed, which I've tried to do less. You know, I think notifications is a very difficult thing in our our society now. You can be notified of everything. You know, I've I've done this manually when I'm with the baby. You know. I'm trying to hide my phone now. I don't want to see her, her watching me on my phone when we're together. 
where, where the metaphor is this phone is more important than, than what we're doing right now. And it's so easy to get home from work right at 6 o'clock after you know, work, get a, get a workout in, and then the show's just ending, right, Kate? Mm-hmm. And you want to see what people are buzzing about our show. Yep. Did, this, did this work? Did this joke work? Did this, look how funny I was. Please give me that. I, I am your object. Does, you know, tell me, tell me how you, give me that validation. And then, you know, you, you see the one nasty one. Now you want to respond to it in an intelligent way. But then you realize, well, they're not even understanding it. They're not even, they're, they've plugged their ears so much. You know, how do I keep this conversation? So that's all happening while I'm walking through a door and a little girl's throwing herself into my arms. I got to hide that phone, you know. I'm, I've tried to work on just being in normal conversations and not even having the phone out, you know. Yep. I'm a dad. I can fool myself into thinking that phone could be a call that could be important. Or it could be the next breaking story. You know, I need to know what that is. No, I have to I have to have some boundaries with, with what that is, you know. But I was on Twitter and the Atlantic put out what I thought was a, which for me, was just like a home run message. It was the actor Michael K. Williams, who played Omar in The Wire, and he played similar characters in many other shows, you know, menacing. And it's Omar asking if he's typecast. And then it's Michael answering whether he's typecast. And then it's Chalky White, another character, similarly, wondering, but are you fooling yourself into thinking you're not typecast? And then it's Michael K. Williams, the dancer, who was a background dancer, I think for Janet Jackson, um, answering the question. So it's four or five different Michael K. Williamses fleshing out who he is as a person. And the two-minute message is, question yourself. And that was like, wait a second, that's what I've been trying to do my whole life. That's what the Jesuits taught me. That's who I am as a person in my family setting. That's who I am as, as you know, a religious person, you know. I, I'm still going to church every Sunday. I'm still Catholic. I'm, I, I'm, you're going to see me wearing a, an ash for Ash Wednesday on TV. And I'm always, you know, sure that that's making a statement. And I don't know how I, I struggle with that. It's a very public thing. And I struggle with people making assumptions about me that I, well, well if you're Catholic, you believe absolutely this. Well, my religion, I, I say, is very unique to me because I've questioned it. I've put it, I've challenged it. I've earned, you know, some of the way I feel about it. And, and, and you know, I mean, the church has so many missteps in its even recent past. As an aside, that's why I'm, I'm you know, proud or happy to, you know, with what Pope Francis is doing and some of the strides he's making and opening up a window and letting some fresh air into mm-hmm. a room that needed a lot of fresh air. Well, thanks for giving us some fresh air, Tony. You <laughs> nice like that? segue, TV you woman. You like that? You like that transition? Reality. No. Be here now. Thank you for joining us. Up top. Down low. That was Tony Reale. He's the host of Around the Horn and formerly Stat Boy on Pardon the Interruption. And occasionally he mutes me on his television show. You can catch that 5 p.m. on ESPN proper. And now it's time for healthy cookies. And that is the time of day when Catherine, who is embedded in the wellness and yoga world, delivers to us a nice plate of healthy cookies. <laughs> or at least a tip that allow me to eat cookies and then also be healthy somewhere we'll call else. We'll healthier cookies because ultimately I think any cookie can be healthy if it makes you feel good. All right. Tell me how to be better at life. 
I so my wellness tip for today, I was trying to think of something that I thought would be good for Kate and something that she could use in her life because mm-hmm. I come from a wellness background and Kate well, does not. Whoa, uh, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, th- there there's just a lot of things that you've learned from me and that's not like a omni powerful statement of, you know, it's Okay, just, that's fair. That's fair. I I'm, I'm slowly giving you all the nuggets that I have learned through a a full spread of work that okay. I have been in. But uh, we were driving the other day, and Kate and I both love lattes. I like my almond milk lattes. She likes her whole milk lattes. And we both love red wine. And Kate was commenting on our drive the other day about she was looking in the rearview mirror, you know, while paying attention to driving and not texting, and was noticing that she wants to whiten her teeth, which, by the way, she has very beautiful teeth. But she was thought it was time to whiten the teeth, and I went, oh, well, you should get some activated charcoal for that. To which... She kind of well. I don't. Kapod. I have at times gone down the rabbit hole about activated charcoal because I've heard of this activated charcoal, and then I have done hours of Google searching with no definitive results about whether this activated charcoal actually activates and does its charcoaly activated work and pulls out the awfulness inside of you, or whether it just corrupts your insides and you don't know. Right. Like, well, there's no consensus on that. So basically what activated charcoal, which is meant for consumption so me. as opposed to regular charcoal, is good at trapping toxins. The point is, if you're going somewhere where it is likely that you could get a bug that would be rather nasty for you, often it's recommended to bring activated charcoal with you because it is so good at trapping toxins and pulling them out. Okay. And true, there is not always a lot of backing on. Some people say, oh, it's a great hangover drink. You know, you see what's really popular these days are activated charcoal lemonades. And you'll see this drink that is pitch black and it's lemon juice, water, normally like an agave or something like that and charcoal. And people preach its benefits of like, drink this after you're hungover and you'll feel great. And um, as someone who has drank an entire thing of activated lemonade before, it will definitely clear you out. Let me just put that in a very kind way. So if you were looking to completely refresh your insides, activated charcoal will do the trick. So it is very good at doing that. But it has the same concept for your teeth because if you put it on your toothbrush and it makes a total mess or if you just want to terrify people, it'll make your mouth all black and ghastly and goblin-like. You brush with it and then it pulls all the toxins out of your gums. So that's what is – it's basically creating a healthier, balanced pH environment for your mouth is what it's doing. I'll consider it. <laughs> right, we'll just take you to the dentist and we'll get you fitted for some trays. Okay. And that's our show. Thanks for listening to Free Cookies from ESPNW. I'm your host, Catherine Budig. I'm Kate Fagan. Free Cookies is produced by Barry Finkel and Pineapple Street Media. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. And please don't forget to rate and review our show. It helps others find us and most definitely totally pinky promises not inflate our egos. Check back at the end of this week for a special bonus episode in which... I give the commencement speech at the University of Colorado. We are going to drop the audio of that speech into the Free Cookies podcast stream. (laughs) She's not nervous at all. I'm so nervous. It's a football field full of people. But anyway, check back in with us for sure next Wednesday. We will have a full new episode coming your way. Bye. See ya. Peace. Am I talking too fast or is it okay? Oh, I I wasn't even thinking you were talking about, so I think you're hysterical and beautiful.
Aww. I wonder if we're still recording. <laughs> the sweet behind the scenes. 